Welcome to Growing Your Financial Advisory Practice Podcast by Snap Projections, episode 13. I'm your host, Pavel Bramensky, and my goal is to interview experts to provide you with insights, strategies, and actionable tactics that you can start applying to grow your financial advisory practice today. For more information, head over to snapprojections.com slash podcast. Now, let's introduce today's featured guest. Today's guest is Ali Dalla. Ali is the CEO and co-founder of Finel, a venture-backed insure tech startup that is reimagining insurance distribution to help independent advisors thrive in a digital era. Finel provides advisors with a digital toolkit paired with an on-demand concierge back office to enable advisors to create the future of advice, the bionic advisor. Ali spent his early career as a banker before leaving to join a startup as their first employee, which was acquired by Benefits by Design, a national third-party administrative company, where he served as managing partner before launching Finel. Ali, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Pavel. That's awesome. So we haven't talked much about insurance on the podcast, Ali, so I'm uh, really super excited to have you on. So let's dive into it right, uh, right away. So tell me about your firm. So what do you do and who do you serve? Absolutely. So Fineo is a technology company that helps independent insurance professionals take their clients from prospect to policy. Uh, we do this in a couple of ways. Number one is we help provide them with cutting edge technology to help streamline processes and manage their tasks and manage their client book. Uh, and of course, give them the right prompts and nudges to make sure no clients slip through the cracks. And then the second way we do it is by providing them a virtual service team as a back office. Uh, so effectively, on the front office, we're a verticalized CRM system. On the back office, we're a digital MGA. And so by tying the stack uh, of front office and back office, we're able to really create a ton of efficiencies for advisors. Uh, the customer that we serve, Pavel, is the independent insurance br- broker, uh, typically working in a boutique advisory firm under about 20 or 25 brokers. Uh, and again, our goal is to be their technology partner throughout their journey. Excellent. So, uh, so tell me, let's go back to the beginning, maybe. And uh, So why did you start Finel? What was the core problem that you want to start, solve initially? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, a couple of things. I, first and foremost, as you mentioned, I came from the banking industry. And during my time as a financial planner, you know, I learned really quickly that the markets are going to do what the markets are going to do. I mean, I started my journey in 08, 09. And I think anybody um, that worked in that time can tell you, you know, we as advisors, we had no control uh, over what the markets were doing. But what we were able to do was control that customer experience. And so I'll fast forward into kind of the the tech boom uh, where the robo-partners or robo-wealth advisors were really the first tipping point of me starting to see the traditional advisor being at risk. Um, you started to see a lot of money being poured into companies that were really focused on direct customer engagement, digital distribution, direct to customer. And I felt that the, the uh, wealth professional, the insurance professional, unless they were able to adapt some of these best practices and new technology, might be at threat uh, of being left behind. But the real tipping point, Pavel, for me was a company in the States called Zenefits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a great, great business model from the outside looking in. Effectively, they built uh, HR in a box solutions for small businesses, provided their software for free with the caveat of that the small business owner had to sign over their employee benefits plan to Zenefits. To put it in perspective, in a short amount of time, just under four years, they went from zero to about a $4.5 billion valuation, not without any, any bumps and bruises, of course. They had some big regulatory challenges. Uh, they had raised about $720 million in venture capital. So it was just this, again, sinking feeling that advisors were at risk. And so I believe that somebody from the industry that comes from the intersection of advice and technology had to step in 
uh, and do their best to save the traditional advice channel. Excellent. So, so let's talk maybe uh, about this kind of, uh, as you said, you know, from prospect to policy, right? And it, like, let's highlight maybe some of the problems that you've seen and just kind of, uh, so we can go through this and we can see, you know, how this all maps up. Absolutely. So let me start with just giving a quick example of the traditional way uh, financial planning or insurance planning or wealth planning typically takes place. And I can give you, you know, the primary example of my life as a planner. Uh, first thing you do is you meet a client, typically through a referral, if you've got a good network. Uh, from there, you go through a phone call, 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe going through your value proposition, trying to make that customer uh, feel a little bit more comfortable uh, in your world. From there, typically, you meet the customer for a first meeting, again, building rapport, um, doing some information collection. From there, you take it away, you build your baseline plan, scour the market for some options, uh, book a third meeting with the client, and typically at the kitchen table or maybe at at your office or at their office, uh, delivering them some of the solutions that you've prepared. Uh, And then you go through this kind of back and forth period where you're helping them better understand the value behind some of your suggestions. You're probably handling some objections along the way. Uh, And by, you know, meeting five or meeting six, uh, the client hopefully is ready to to take that advice and make the leap. Um, So we've only talked about kind of one quarter of this cycle, and that's the front end of the sales journey. So why don't we just, I'll pause there, I'll come back to to this stopgap, and let me kind of explain how we're reinventing the front part of that conversation. I think that the, the referral component doesn't change. You know, the best relationships typically come from a referral from your existing book of business. Uh, but then this is where things get a little interesting. In our world, uh, you know that advisors are extremely busy and our time is, is very valuable. So what we need to do is A, figure out who the people are that are serious of doing business with us. And number two, remove the tire kickers out of our life as quickly as possible so we can focus on our best prospects. And so one of the best practices that I adopted in my career that now we've digitized is we created a digital financial needs assessment form. Um, This form can be sent out uh, directly to a client in advance of a first meeting. And effectively, it's an info gathering um, solution, very similar to what a broker or a financial planner would do in person. Here's the difference. Instead of the advisor sitting there copying everything that the client's saying, you're actually now bringing them right into this relationship. uh, And you're giving them the right to complete the form at their own leisure, do it when they have some time to think about it, not be felt like they're being put on the spot by someone they've just met. And it's kind of removing some of the friction and anxiety from that first needs collection process. The second thing that it allows you to do now is walk into that first meeting with a baseline understanding of who this individual is, and more importantly, hopefully coming with a couple of solutions ready to go. So now by the time you've actually sat down in front of them, in that first meeting, you're delivering an immense amount of value. Uh, In our research with customers, what they tell us is that the first couple of meetings are the biggest waste of time in their opinion. They feel like they're reciting to you all their personal information, you're collecting it, they're seeing no value back. So how can we turn that back on its head? Um, So Pavel, that's kind of the first place that we think technology plays a role is in that information gathering stage. And the nice thing is, is that once that data is digitized, in our case, in Fineo's platform, it pre-populates your front office CRM system. So it removes the burden of you having to sit behind a keyboard and data enter. And the second thing that it does uh, in terms of our value proposition is, as I mentioned, we have a a virtual back office or an on-demand concierge model. Once that Uh, financial needs assessment is complete, our team actually takes it over. And in advance of you having to lift a finger, we'll actually go out to the market on your behalf and find some baseline products 
that based on our experience as product experts will bring to your attention and say, hey, look, based on the profile of this customer, here are a few things you might want to think about. So again, reducing some of that back office time for a broker. Excellent. Excellent. So this is actually really interesting. You mentioned uh, actually several things I want to dive into, for example, the data aspect and uh, the, the you know, virtual back office and information gathering. So, And it was also very cool actually to, to observe you and, and your journey, how you started with, with a CRM product first and how you sort of transformed you know, the uh, digital uh, kind of uh, MGA. So tell, tell me how advisors uh, can, can work with you, how they can uh, get access to basically your technology and in what, what way uh, would that uh, take form? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have three different relationship categories with uh, the community. Uh, number one is a pure technology relationship. Uh, you know, advisors come to us all the time saying we're looking for easier, simpler to use, uh, better technology that's built for me. Um, one of the things that I think is really unique about our journey is we raised our first angel capital, about $400,000 from the advisor network uh, of the first 50 people that were on our original beta product in 2016. So we took on the moniker for advisors by advisors. So really, uh, our vision and mission, Pavel, is to empower advisors around the world with technology that makes their life easier. So the first relationship is pure technology. The second relationship is what we call the bionic advisor. Uh, this is an individual that leverages not only our front office technology, but we also, again, empower them with their concierge team on the back office and a robo-assistant uh, on a, from a digital experience perspective. And so we enable this advisor with both technology and service, uh, effectively sliding them into our managing general agency or digital MGA model. Uh, and number three, Pavel, is kind of the ambassadors, uh, people in the network who are working every day to try to better the advisor community. Uh, I think at times uh, our industry has been labeled incorrectly. Um, we are a professional category. Uh, we are a professional industry. We are certified. Uh, we're dedicated to our clients. And I think at times, uh, sometimes that message is lost based on maybe a bad experience that someone's had. So the last people that we really try to engage with is, is people like yourself and other people who are delivering great content to this independent uh, advisor community. Excellent. All right. So I want to dive deep, deeper into this kind of bionic model. So, so this is probably going to take us to talk about a little bit more technology. And, you know, I, we just had Rana Birenbaum from VB Plan, um, uh, at a recent episode. And, uh, you know, I was asking a question with, will robo planners essentially replace financial planners? Right. And clearly the answer is no. So, but let's talk about bionic advisor. Let's talk maybe about the technology and sort of the future of advice. How do you think about those, those kind of things? Yeah. Great question. Why don't we start by defining the bionic advisor and we can move in, uh, move into it from there. So for us, a bionic advisor, is, is a human, you know, man or woman that is technology enabled and leverages technology to give their customer better experience, but is still a traditional human advisor that can sit across the table from you, look you eyeball to eyeball, whether that's through a, a video call or in person, uh, and actually take you as a customer through the, the journey. Uh, I think sometimes there's this nomenclature of it's easier to buy online. And at times I agree, but what we all forget about is not the value of an advisor is not just selling a product that's commoditized. It's giving value through advice and also being through that person's life journey when that moment comes that they really need a helping hand. I mean, the life insurance example is probably the best one. You name me an artificial intelligence that's going to jump out of the screen and hold my wife when, God forbid, I pass away through an accident. And to me, the bionic advisor is, again, someone who leverages technology to do their job better. Uh, it augments the work that they do. But at the core of their job, they are still a human being. Excellent. So, and how do you think about, you know, the future of advice really, right? So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what we can, you know, how technology is really impacting the financial advisory space. What, you know, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I think that there's a few different, you know, distinct ways that technology will play a role. Number one is I hope that it will remove as much of the compliance burden as possible. Uh, you know, compliance is, is not something that most people like to deal with. Um, it's very uh, time consuming. It has a lot of risk associated with it. So I think technology is a great solution to do the same activity over and over again without making a mistake. And effectively, that's compliance. Uh, the second place where I think it will play a role is by leveraging the data to provide both new opportunities for advisors and also to ensure the workflow of data moves swiftly to whatever end place it needs to get to. So, for example, in the world of insurance, uh, ensuring that the data moves from the customer all the way to the carrier without having to be touched again by any intermediary human, for example, uh, or to be able to leverage that data kind of like Netflix does for movies to provide recommendations of products and upsell cross-sell opportunities. Uh, and again, you know, doing things like uh, nudging you when the time is right to re-engage a customer. Uh, all of this are data-driven prompts or notifications. And so I think technology will, will play a great role there. And then maybe lastly is to actually, again, bring that customer into this journey. Um, when we think about financial planning, I very much look at it as a partnership with your client. Uh, and in today's world, that partnership must include digital. Uh, your clients are being served digitally in every other aspect of the world. Why should their financial planning experience or insurance planning experience be any different? Absolutely. And you know what? Since you know, investment uh, management fees has been largely commoditized on the investment side, I mean, really, the, uh, the, the only option for the advisor is really to squeeze out as much uh, operational efficiency as possible. And technology is really the perfect, as you said, perfect way to do that. So uh, you mentioned one thing earlier that I want to go back to for a second. So it's data. Right. So, so why do you think, you know, and what do you think about, you know, uh, leveraging data to power advice? You know, why, why data is important? Well, data is important because it gives you sight into the unseen. It uncovers secrets for you that you never would have had before. And it gives you the information to make better decisions about your business. Uh, let me give a few tactical examples, Pavel. Um, in technology companies, companies that are, let's say, selling you a, a product or a tool virtually, um, they'll go through an exercise of, of actually calculating what their customer acquisition cost is. So how much does it take to land a prospect? And then how much does it cost to convert that prospect to a paying customer? And then they'll calculate the lifetime value of this customer. And based on a ratio of those two numbers, they can start to figure out whether this relationship is a profitable one or not profitable one. Um, let's give that corollary example in the planning world. Um, you know, we might have a client that comes to us, you know, let's say in the investment world with a $10 million book of business that they want you to manage. But this client might take an hour of your week every single week for 52 weeks a year versus a client that brings you $2 million but is very much allowing you to run that portfolio on autopilot for them and is comfortable with a quarterly check-in and an annual review. Uh, these two clients, although on the surface might look worlds apart from a volume perspective, are also worlds apart in terms of the cost perspective of you serving that customer. So what I think data can do is it can start to allow you to, again, see some of these hidden insights in your business that you wouldn't be able to see before. So that's a very tactical example of how it can drive uh, efficiency decisions in your, in your business, in your planning business. For sure, for sure. Excellent. So, okay, so this is kind of interesting. So if you look at your client base right now, who would be an ideal client uh, for Finnell? Would it be, for example, somebody who is you know, just starting in the business or somebody who is established who wants to stick scale their company or somebody who is you know, maybe just already running a 
very, very uh, you know, large business and trying to basically squeeze out operational efficiency from, from that. Yeah, we kind of play with three key uh, customer personas that we target and that we can help the most. Uh, I think, you know, most naturally and most generally are the, are the new advisors. I mean, it's no secret that coming into a financial industry is very difficult. It's a very lonely world, especially if you're uh, working as a solopreneur. Um, so we try to wrap our hands around that newbie in a couple of different ways. Of course, you know, we're going to give them the same value proposition uh, of technology and service. But the other is coaching and community. Um, you know, we do a lot just like you do of content uh, through webinars, blogs, podcasts, uh, on uh, online events, offline events, and really helping these, um, you know, newer advisors that are kind of zero to five years into the business uh, learn the best practices of a digital world versus just an analog world. I think a lot of the um, education out there, Pavel, is focused on product, is focused on selling but it's not really focused on how to be the greatest entrepreneur that you can be. Uh, each and every independent advisor, I don't care if you've been in the game for a week or, or 20 years, you're an entrepreneur at the core. I mean, you run a small business first and foremost. Uh, that small business happens to be in the advisory space. So we try very hard uh, to curve the lens uh, of that person to say, hey, you're not just a product pusher, you're running a business, take that seriously. Uh, in Q4 this year, we're going to be launching an online learning academy called Quantum Leap. Uh, Quantum Leap will be a hybrid of not only um, giving best practices of how to be a great advisor, but it's also best practices of how to be a great entrepreneur. Um, Fineo is, is our senior management team is littered with uh, entrepreneurs who have who have been there, done that. You know, on my end, this is my uh, second company. Um, one of you know our head of marketing and, and PR. Um, he's been the first employee of, for example, big companies like Indochino uh, and helping them you know scale their businesses. So we've learned a lot in our time. Um, of, of how to build great companies. Uh, the second cohort that we try to work with is that growing advisor. This advisor is typically making anywhere between you know eighty to one hundred and fifty thousand a year. Uh, they might have a small admin team with them, but they're really looking to drive efficiencies so that they can focus on scale uh, rather than focusing on the minutia of their business. So we're really focused on that category. I think it's probably the best category that we can help is that growing advisor. Uh, and then the third, in this kind of you know. I wouldn't have said this to you two years ago, uh, but it's something that we've learned over time is actually the advisors that are on the tail end of their career that are thinking about succession planning. Um, it's really important to start the succession planning process early and digitizing as much of that great information that sits in the business owner's mind and being able to prepare it for a transition to another uh, colleague or another managing uh, agent to take that over or another uh, junior partner to take that over becomes vital. Um, you know, a lot of value in an advisor's book of business is goodwill. It's the relationship. So the quicker we can get some of that information in a format that can be transitioned quicker and easier, the better. Um, we try very hard not to label any of our advisors by age. We try very hard to look at them from a mindset perspective. So really, our cohort of customers is any advisor who believes in technology as a moat, uh, any advisor that still believes that people will be a key essential uh, distribution partner for individual uh, benefits or individual products, uh, and also those that want to sit on the cutting edge of what we think is the future of digital distribution. Very cool. It's uh, really nice to just see you and when you go sort of go through the newbie stage to the growing advisor and, and then to kind of the succession planning. So yeah, and I look forward to seeing the quantum leap later on this year. So this is going to be exciting. Let's maybe talk about some of the characteristics of a successful insurance advisor as you're going through basically this one and two and, 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 and uh, all the way from one to two, two and uh, three. 
personas. What are some of the characteristics of a of a in, of an insurance advisor or of an advisor overall that would be very successful? So, how do you recognize the one that uh, that will be uh, the successful one when you meet one? Can you can you tell us a little bit maybe about it? I absolutely can. And I actually had a conversation. I, I typically go for walks these days because the weather's so beautiful with clients and, and with staff. And I was just chatting with our, our concierge uh, at one of our concierge team at Fineo named Darlene. And you know, she comes from the industry as well. And she asked me this question, you know, how do we, Ali, how do we know when we've got a great advisor versus a good advisor? And I thought about it and it was uh, a really difficult question to just nail, like to put my finger on one thing, but I was able to kind of figure it out. And the one thing that I think is the biggest differentiator, Pavel, is your absolute love and desire for your customer's well-being. All the rest of this stuff, technology and great products and financial planning, all that stuff's good and dandy. And I think you know everybody's going to have to do that well if they're going to succeed in this industry. But you have to have an absolutely burning desire to help people. And you have to have this burning desire to treat them uh, like they're your family. You know, I, I think that the moment that I realized how much I loved my career was it came in the, on the back of a tragedy. You know, I was working with a family, a multi-generational family. I served the grandparents, I served the kids and I served the grandkids. And unfortunately, when one of the grandparents got ill, um, you know, I was asked to go to the hospice to be one of the last members to be around that person's life. Um, when I left, you know, I got a call three days later that that individual, the grandparent had passed away uh, I was invited to the funeral. I was invited to the family's home. Um, I was a key part of them mentally and emotionally and financially recovering from that moment. And I think that what differentiates the greatest advisors is the ones that, again, love their clients. So that to me is kind of the number one thing is, is that transparency and that vulnerability to say, I care about people more than I care about money. Because uh, I think that you know money will come uh, if you're doing the right thing for your clients. Uh, but it's really about delivering a great experience and great advice. So that's number one. Number two, Pavel, would be having a really great process. And uh, that process comes with effort uh, and it comes with iteration. Um, one of the things that we do really well and very frequently at Fineo is we journey map. Um, we go use a big whiteboard and we draw out our ideal workflow of how we want our customers to experience Fineo. And then there's an old saying that the first time a customer goes through your process, the process breaks. Um, so it's always about going back to that process and figuring out, A, how can I optimize it? And B, how can I automate it? I mean, you can't always automate every part of your job and, and nor should you want to, but there are places where you can. And being able to go back to you know, the proverbial drawing board to unpack that is really key. Uh, and then the third place that I would say is, is the biggest differentiator outside of, of love and care and outside of process is actually being open to change. Uh, you know, this world is changing at such a rapid pace and being able to stay up to date um, with things like technology and, and machine learning and in the future, things like artificial intelligence become really important. So, you know, it's really hard for everybody to have time to do everything. That's where I think it's important to consume content like this um, that can deliver you value uh, in your day-to-day, -day, but also give you perspective. And I also think that's where it's really critical to have a technology partner uh, you know, companies like Fineo and Snap, we're partners to our clients, right? We're, we're not just service vendors. We're not just technology vendors to them. We are partners. Um, anytime clients need, Pavel, I'm sure you can attest to this, you know, pick up the phone, call us. You have a question about tech? You want to know how servers work? Like we, we did a webinar, uh, basically a tech 101 webinar to help advisors understand how data moves. 
um, in today's world versus yesterday's world. I mean, everybody came from the world of facts. What does it mean to move data through what's called an API in today's world? So we've you know, tried our best to be seen as that technology partner. I can definitely second that. And the industry is moving and changing so quickly right now. It's just incredible. As uh, you know, we were able to observe this all the way from 2014. It's uh, all the way to, to right now, just last four years, just amazing, uh, you know, a lot of growth. So that's, that's awesome. If we were going to maybe focus on one segment, let's maybe, uh, let's maybe focus kind of on this kind of growing uh, advisor segment. So let's say this person is maybe not new to the business, but they figure this out. They can, they can, they can get things uh, off the ground and, and, um, and they're growing, right? So what kind of advice would you have for somebody uh, who wants to scale their, their, their business? Yeah, this is, you know, the most interesting time in, I think, an advisor's career. You know, you've got the training wheels are off. Uh, you figured out uh, the secret sauce of being a great advisor. And now the goal is, is how do I take this, this company that I'm starting to form and how do I scale it? Uh, the number one thing that I think is really important is starting with a goal setting activity. Um, everybody has different desires in this world. And so um, one advisor's goal may be to be the greatest individual solopreneur in their small uh, community. Another advisor's goal might be to create a, a multinational, multi-lined, uh, thousand-person firm. So number one is to actually understand kind of where you want to go. And tactically, what does that mean? That means you got to step out of your world. you got to pull out. Uh, you need to take time to reflect and to think and to do some soul searching and really understand, you know, what is the impact that you want to make? Uh, what is your purpose? What are your core values? Why do you do what you do? I mean, these seem like super fluffy and philosophical questions, but I think these are the questions that will drive you to figuring out what it is that you need to do next uh, to get your business to that level. And none of that can happen unless you go into it with a clear vision of where you want to take your business. Um, and again, that I don't believe is specific to financial professionals. That is entrepreneurial advice. Um, so I think that's the kind of the first place to start is what do I want to accomplish? Why? Uh, and then more tactically, I think going back to that journey mapping activity, laying out all the different functions of what you do in your day, and then figuring out the opportunity cost of, is this something that I should be doing? Is this something I should be offshoring? Can I partner for this? Can I buy for this? Can I solve this myself? Um, and really being, you know, extremely pragmatic and ruthless with your resources and time. Um, you know, everybody is extremely busy. Uh, we live in a world of attention deficit disorder. It's really difficult to stay focused for more than five minutes, it feels like these days, with all the notifications and social media. So with that said, it's even more important to be able to hyper-focus on activities. And then even more tactically, Pavel, um, breaking out those goals into short, medium, long, and daily goals and being able to hold yourself and your team accountable to hitting those metrics, which means you need a mechanism of tracking. These data um, points become extremely vital uh, towards being able to craft and optimize your business flow. So I think those are kind of the three things that I can, I can pinpoint. Absolutely. This is great. And so, so I'm going to ask you one more question. And, and, and it's kind of fun to ask this question because you've, uh, you've been a financial you know, uh, planner. This is how you started, right? And now you run the tech company. So, uh, so you mentioned earlier that referrals are still a really good source of, of, uh, of uh, new clients, right? And this is in terms of lead acquisition that they still work. But if we are going to zero in on this kind of lead acquisition marketing, uh, do you have any maybe specific tips for, for advisors, uh, how they can basically acquire more of their uh, clients? For sure. So um, why don't we go through two parts to this uh, answer, Pavel? I'll take you through an offline example and a digital example. So I think that you know everybody can probably confirm this, that your best 
opportunity for converting a prospect is when they come from a warm referral. The question always becomes is, how do I get that referral? And then when do I ask for that referral? And then what do I do when that referral comes in and doesn't engage? Because I think those are kind of the primary questions that most advisors have. So first and foremost, the only time that you get to you get the right to ask for a referral is when you've delivered an immense amount of value to your customer. Uh, and that doesn't mean doing your job. That means going above and beyond the experience that they could get from any other advisor in town. So go back to your last five sales, go back to your last 10 clients and ask yourself, which one of these 10 did I go above and beyond for? And then the next question is, is like, what's the right timing and what's the mechanism to ask for that referral? Um, you can do it in a couple of different ways. You know, you can simply pick up the phone, do a customer check-in, you know, after you've, you've created that plan and maybe you're doing your first 30 or first 45 day review uh, and very explicitly ask the question, you know, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, I hope that I've given you an amazing experience over the last three months or whatever the timeline may be. Um, can you think of anybody else in your network who I could add value to. You know the process I took you through. Very simply, I'd like to take them through a similar process. Um, who can I help next in your network to make their life better? Um, and explicitly being comfortable with a script that you can turn to and use over and over and over. Um, it's very unlikely that that customer will say no if you've actually gone ahead and done what you said you've done, which is giving them great value. Uh, the second thing that you can do is actually ask for that referral through an email uh, in a very, very simple format. Um, you can go at it again, you know, after you've done your, your first check-in. Again, it's really important to time the ask properly. You don't want to time it the minute that you close the deal. You want to time it when you've gone above and beyond. So you've gone ahead, you've done that check-in, and you send the email. Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, uh, hope that you're doing well. Um, just wanted to send you a quick note to, again, thank you for your business and hope that our last interaction was good or that you got value out of our last meeting. Um, part of my responsibility is to make sure that I'm taking care of not only my clients, but people in their world that they believe are important to them. Uh, my ask is very simple. Here is a quick copy and paste that I would love for you to send to three friends if that's okay with you. And you make it as simple as possible for them. It's pre-scripted. It's no more than one or two sentences, something along the lines of, uh, hey, friend, um, I've recently met a great financial professional named Pavel. Um, he went, took me through an amazing process that I would love for you to experience. Would you mind having a 10-minute call with Pavel? I've passed along your number and hope it's okay. Very simple activity, very powerful. So that's the kind of offline method. The online method of, of lead uh, procurement uh, is, is a little bit different. Uh, you know, you've got kind of a wider uh, net to cast. You don't have that direct uh, ability to ask for the referral. Um, but what you can do is you can use video content as a great way to engage people. Again, I referred earlier to the fact that we live in an ADD world. It's tough to get people's attention these days. But I think videos are a great way uh, for people to see the authenticity going back to point one of what makes a great advisor is that you have to love your client. And, you know, if they can feel that through a screen, you have a much higher likelihood of having an opportunity to work with that person. Um, there was a great book written by a, an author uh, and a speaker named Gary Vaynerchuk. It's called Jab, 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 Hook. Effectively, the, the message there is, you know, you need to give, 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 uh, and then you will take, but you really need to give and give great content and give great advice and kind of give the best version of yourself at every opportunity to do so. So, you know, online and offline, two different strategies. 
That's great. And uh, that's, uh, that's great advice. And it's not only related to, it's not only limited to financial advisory market, right? It's great advice for any entrepreneur. So now, uh, you know, before we wrap up, let's maybe talk a little bit about building Finel. So what uh, have been some of the biggest challenges for you that, that you've encountered so far in building Finel? Yeah, I mean, every early stage company goes through, uh, as you probably remember from your early days, Pavel, you know, an immense amount of challenges. We decided to pick a really difficult industry to crack into. I mean, this is an industry uh, specifically in insurance that has not been uh, at all changed in, in 20, 30, 40 years even, uh, in kind of two or three different ways. Uh, the, the supply chain hasn't evolved. Uh, the front office technology has not evolved, uh, which means you actually have to change behavior and changing behavior is, is typically the hardest thing to do in this world. Uh, you know, I think we're all kind of creatures of habit. So getting people to change the way they do something that they've done for 10 plus years uh, can really be a challenge. Um, the second challenge, uh, you know, going through this process was how do we actually break in to the industry and execute on this prospect of policy vision that we have? Um, for us, as, as many people out there in the market will probably attach us to is being a CRM company. Um, you know, CRM was definitely our gateway uh, or our way into the supply chain. We realized after an immense amount of research that there was not any great dedicated technology vertical uh, vertical solutions for the insurance industry. Um, if you go back to kind of version one of CRMs, they were very much horizontal in nature. So whether you sold cars, you sold toothbrushes, or you sold insurance, you use the same system. Um, but nobody had really built something turnkey out of the box for our industry. Um, and to compound the problem, there was not any great mobile solutions. And I mean, for us in this day and age, we're all on the road all day. We need access to our book of business uh, attached to our hip. So our go-to-market was how do we solve the front office problem with the vision of helping streamline that back office inefficiency and again, create what we have now kind of noted as, as the bionic advisor and the digital MGA experience. Uh, and then the last thing, and I mean, companies like Fineo, that are t at the core, we're a technology company. Technology is all front-loaded cost, Pavel, as you know. And hiring engineers and hiring data scientists is very expensive. And you, know, you need to be able to raise uh, a significant amount of venture capital in a life cycle of a company like ours to execute on the vision. Uh, so the hardest part was actually going out to market uh, as a small team and being able to you know, find investors who believe that advisors would still be around in five to 10 years, as crazy as that sounds, that was one of our biggest bottlenecks to success. Uh, and then obviously, there's just the whole, you know, the world is on fire every minute of every day because you're a small team and you're trying to figure out your way. Um, you know, now we're, we're 14 people full-time. We have a couple of amazing uh, interns that, that work with us from the JD MBA program of Rotman. Um, but you know, when we started, it was, it was myself and two co-founders and it's a lot of work, as you remember, Pavel, in your early days to, to get off the ground with such a small team when you're literally David fighting the world of Goliath. It's uh, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the early days. So I can definitely relate to that. Uh, that's, that's really awesome. And uh, you know what? Uh, you have a great, uh, great goal and great mission. So I uh, definitely wish you all the best on the, on the journey. So Ali, this podcast is all about growing your practice. So do you have any parting words of wisdom for the listeners? Yeah. Um, you know, my biggest piece of advice is that you know, never close yourself off to learning. It doesn't matter if you've been in this industry for 30 years. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're, uh, you know, you've tapped out in terms of product knowledge learning. There's always something else to learn. And I think in this day and age of technology, it is relatively new for a lot of people. So you know, don't be scared by it. Don't be intimidated by it. Embrace it. It is the future of how your job will be done. 
Uh, and the quicker that you adopt uh, both the mentality and mindset, but also the, the best practices of technology into your business, the better chance you have of success. Uh, like anything, uh, one of my old uh, basketball coaches used to give me the analogy of a check mark. Uh, things are going to go down before they go up when you make a change to process or you make a change to strategy. So if you're injecting technology into your world, it's not as simple as I'm going to use technology today. Uh, it's I'm going to use technology today and I'm going to reassess every process of my business to make sure that technology enables the best process for me. Uh, everybody goes through a slightly different workflow and a slightly different um, process internally. So your technology isn't supposed to adapt to just your best practice and your process. You're supposed to adapt some of the best practices of the technology into your business. So it is, again, you know, this, this hybrid uh, relationship with, with humans and technology. Great. So Ali, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? What's the best way to reach you? Absolutely. Please email me directly, Ali, A-L-Y, at Fineo, F-I-N-A-E-O dot com. Uh, check us out at Fineo.com. Uh, we've got a wait list that we've uh, started for the new version of our front office technology, our front office CRM. So if you'd like to join that wait list, please do. Um, and if you do join the wait list, uh, you know, when we do give you a call, let us know that you came from uh, Snap Projections podcast. Uh, we'd just love to hear kind of how you ended up in our world. Uh, and a quick note, we haven't formally announced this yet, but um, our mission and vision to help empower advisors, we're going to really stand behind that, Pavel. We're actually going to be giving away our software for free moving forward uh, for any advisor that needs it. We don't want price to be a barrier of access to technology. So we want to help democratize that access. Uh, so if you are looking for uh, you know, a really good solution for your business, let us know and we'll be happy to, to support you through your digital journey. Excellent. And we'll link all of this in the show notes. So uh, if anybody wants to follow up and to maybe sign up to the list and uh, they will be able to do that. Ali, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. And that's it for this episode. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at podcast at snapprojections.com. And if you're enjoying the show and want more of the amazing guests sharing incredibly valuable knowledge, head over to iTunes and leave us a great review, which helps us get discovered. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.